This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. So at, at the point at which we brought Esty home, it was just kind of that submitting our family and our lives to God saying, this is not what we were thinking when we first got married, but our first desire has always been that God be honored and glorified through our lives. Mm -hmm. So we were willing to, not that we really had to say one way or the other, but we were willing to forego our desire to be overseas as missionaries mm -hmm. and serve God through bringing home children mm -hmm. who were in dire need of having a family. From Christianity Today, you're listening to Adopting Hope, a podcast about adoptive, foster, and spiritual mothering. I'm Joyce Koo Dowerbull. And I'm Sasha Parker. We're both moms, and we're both adoptive moms. And on each episode of our show, you'll hear from a mom and sometimes a dad about their journey in adoption and foster care. Our hope is that this podcast provides hope and encouragement as you hear these stories. Whether you're an adoptive, foster, or spiritual mother yourself, an adoptee, or someone who just wants to encourage and love adoptive and foster parents. These stories are all windows into the gospel, the story of a God who adopts us and loves us with a redeeming love, and whose love empowers and compels us to extend that love through the unique joys and challenges that come from adoption and foster care. Thanks for tuning in. We pray this encourages you as you listen. And even when our hearts are breaking, even when our souls are shaking, oh, oh, we've got this On today's podcast, we welcome Brian and Amy Shaw. It has been said that Brian and Amy have a mustard seed family. What started off as a small seed has grown into a large tree, welcoming many children from around the world. Brian and Amy have been married for more than 24 years, had seven biological children, three of whom are with Jesus, and welcomed seven more into their family since. Having every intention of becoming missionaries overseas, God used a difficult event in their lives to lead them to the plan He had for them. Currently, they are walking through some extremely difficult days dealing with Brian's terminal brain cancer, but they are doing it with the grace that only God could give and radiating with hope. So tell us how you met each other. You know, the first time we ever saw each other outside of church was the day that we were going out to have coffee. But instead, Brian picked me up and he took me to an outdoor art festival. It was the first time that I ever thought about this guy. Like, wow, who is Brian Shaw? And it ended up being like a foreshadowing of what we would do together because we were both independently drawn to different places at that festival, like photography, overseas locations, and specifically children of other cultures, which we ended up having a photography business and, of course, adopting. One of the things that drew us together as a couple, we went on separate short-term mission trips, and the church would call us up to do the prayer on missions Sundays. That was so long ago. <laughs> it was. Um, so one of the things that drew us together was a heart for international missions. Yeah. So after we got married, we were constantly praying that God would open up opportunities for us to serve overseas. We tried and tried and tried in so many different ways, and he just continued to shut the door. So during that process of looking for God's leadership in our lives, he opened up an opportunity for us to serve at a boys' uh, ranch in New Mexico. Mm. And so Amy, at that point, was pregnant with Jensi. Mm -hmm. And we went to New Mexico, and we found out pretty quick that we were over our heads as far as taking care of uh, 
high school boys that were coming from difficult situations. Mm -hmm. So within six months, we decided to change course. But the problem was that we were stuck in New Mexico. Amy was nine months pregnant, and we had nowhere to go. But there was a little tiny town on the border of Texas and New Mexico. There were six houses in this town. Right. And they had a um, parsonage. And, but if a pastor that already had a house. And so the church was praying that someone would come along that they'd be able to serve. Mm, and Yeah. They, they felt like they were so far removed that how could they ever serve anyone? And so they had been consistently praying. And then we had gone to the church in Melrose where we, we were attending and asked for some ideas mm-hmm. of where we could go because I was about to deliver and I couldn't get on a plane. I certainly didn't want to drive cross country. So we were stuck. The pastor said, Hey, I just spoke to somebody, this church in Arch, New Mexico. So, um, we moved to this house in New Mexico and these people just lavish all these, all this food oh, and they wow. gave us a place to stay, of course. Um, come into our laundry. Wow. And they just, just showered us with love. Jency was born while we were there. Mm. And then the church had a whole service just as a dedication service for her. It was just, it's like God saying, I got you. I've got you. Which has been a consistent story in Mm -hmm. our lives where we get into a situation, we don't know what we're going to do. It looks impossible. And then God steps in and not only gives us direction on what to do, but showers us with love from the people, from the church. Mm. So we went from... Well, we moved back to Ohio. Right. Stayed with my parents. Was We started looking for a job and found a found a job that filled the gap. But then from there... And in the meantime, we decided to attend a church. And they had a service about missions, and we both felt God just coming to us. Finally, God mm-hmm. opened the door. Mm-hmm. And so the door that had been closed for so long flew open, and then we couldn't stop the process that God had laid out before mm. us to serve Him overseas. So Amy and Brian left America with two young daughters in tow, ages three and one, and moved to China for two years. What brought you back home at that point? Um, it was the end of the term, and we had intentions of using, they kind of had a little fast track where you could come home and in six months return for a career position. And we had fallen in love with the country of India because of somebody else who was from India who was working in China with us. I had come home pregnant with Oliver. So gave birth to Oliver a couple months after we returned home. And then we were in that process of turning around and I got pregnant again. And this time we weren't going to find out what the gender was and it was exciting. Mm. And so we had lost two, two babies previously. And so never occurred to me that it could ever happen again. Mm. And we got down to the very end. I actually had an induction scheduled for the day before this happened and we had been exposed to the flu on Christmas day. So I called to cancel it because I thought that that would just be miserable. And the next day he went still Mm. and went into that whole process of going through to the hospital, finding out that he really was gone and then delivering him. Mm. Mm. But just really, I think our lives really changed the trajectory Mm -hmm. on that moment when he died because we were going to, you know, it was just so clean and neat. We had two girls. We were going to have two more children, which ended up being two boys. And we were going to go to India and serve for the rest of, of time. And that all changed. One of the, um, ways that God was showing us and encouraging us his blessings was incredibly hard time was that one of our nurses this was a big um, hospital in Columbus and one of the nurses turned out to be a um, member of the church mm-hmm. that we were attending so it was just one of those blessings that we've experienced through life's hard times God saying I got this mm-hmm. I got this it's hard mm-hmm. yeah. but I, mm-hmm. I'm here with yeah. you and I'm going to show you I'm with you through the people that I have mm-hmm. through the church mm-hmm. and um, that's right mm-hmm. That loss of, of your little boy, it changed the trajectory because you didn't go back overseas after that. Yeah. China China was like God allowing us to do what our hearts were so set on, just kind of a blessing. It was one of those experiences that many couples have where it's kind of the, 
the baseline of as you look through your past as a couple, those things that kind of impact your lives, mm -hmm. even though it was only two years, we've always talked about our time in China mm -hmm. and the impact that it had and the, and the relationships that we had with the people there mm -hmm. that were extremely meaningful, even mm -hmm. though it was two years. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it mm -hmm. was it wasn't a major time in our lives together as a couple, but it had an impact that was lasting for sure. very lasting our entire married life. Mm -hmm. We love to speak Mandarin mm -hmm. to each other over our kids heads. It's like the best parenting mm -hmm. tip I have. <laughs> Learn another language your kids don't know. <laughs> and you have since uh, and you have many children now from from China. Like that's part yeah, of we do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back yes. on track, we um, waited for a long time and pleading and praying for the Lord to give us one more child. I was still praying for twins. In fact, the Lord had come to me after Oscar had died that I should keep asking him for twins. Mm. So I was convinced that God was going to allow me to become pregnant with twins. And when Dara Kate was a singleton, I kept telling them, look, keep looking. There's got to be a baby behind there, but there wasn't. And she was born two years later and that was delightful, but I also knew that I could not go through that pregnancy process again mm. ever because it was so fraught with fear of, am I going to lose her? I actually had 16 ultrasounds over the course of her pregnancy because I wow. was like, is she okay now? Is she okay now? Yeah. And I had a very kind doctor who allowed mm -hmm. me to do that. Um, so yeah. to back up our story, we were living in Columbus and then uh, I had to make a decision about you know, how I was going to provide for our family. I had a job and they asked me to move from Columbus, uh, Central Ohio, all the way to Northwest Ohio. And part of why it was so difficult to leave Central Ohio is that your family lived there. If you weren't going to India, you wanted to stay near them. It was clear through our pastor at, in Columbus and circumstances that we needed to move up to Northwest Ohio so that I could continue with this job, provide for our family. And the idea was that we were just going to be home to, quote, heal from mm -hmm. the sun, and then we could go. Mm -hmm. so that's still what we had in our hearts, was that we're coming to Northwest Ohio to go to India. Mm -hmm. And just over the course of the years, and our daughter, Dara Kate, was born, we um, just continually frustrated that it was like mm -hmm. it was at the beginning of our marriage, where God just did not open any doors. And not for lack of our effort. We certainly tried, 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 and the Lord just did not open it. But what he did do really surprised us. So mm -hmm. that period of time was a very, very dark time for me. I was, mm -hmm. I came up to Northwest Ohio to artificially seminate cows. And what was hopefully going to be a short-term stint until God called us to India turned into a long drudgery, pointless mm -hmm. job that was so hard. And I went through bouts of depression, uh, wondering how are we, how can I be providing for my family in this way, first of all? Secondly, how can we have spent two years of our lives serving God in China, mm. coming out of China, feeling a, our heart's desire to serve and to tell people in India about Christ, and then for me to be spending my days walking through cows, breeding cows mm -hmm. in, a, in a barn. And this lasted how many years? Years. It felt like wow. years. I mean, and, and yeah. also I remember the conversations we had at that time, like, mm -hmm. and, and our, our deep felt prayers of Lord, why would you shelve us? We have laid out our lives. I mean, I got a degree for this purpose to be a missionary. That's what was Brian's whole plan too. And so why would you there's so many people that are not willing. I mean, trying to figure out what, why, why, yeah, why did God drop us um, mm -hmm. when our hearts were so much a part of what we thought mm -hmm. was his desire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was spending my days just really uh, in a dark period. While I was there uh, working on the farm, I was listening to podcasts. And one of the podcasts I listened to was Focus on the Family. And was that week was about the orphan crisis. That was something that God was kind of nudging my heart. Like this was this was something that you know I was wondering is this is this something that God is calling us into? It was a track that neither one of us had ever considered. And, and yet I have been 
told by God to keep praying for twins. And my dear little Derek Kate was only one baby. <laughs> so after that podcast, I called Amy and I just, that was, like I said, that was never on the radar at all for us as a couple. And I called Amy and I asked her if she would ever consider the idea of adopting a child from overseas into our family. Mm. And that was on a Monday and on a Wednesday <laughs> we began the process. Oh, wow. When he called me, my jaw dropped because that was mm. the only way that God was going to answer the prayer that he told me to pray for mm. was to have, have twins. Like he wow. had just made that clear that he had set that desire in my heart for a reason mm. and that I shouldn't give up. And so, mm -hmm. and I knew that I could not mm -hmm. go through pregnancy again. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that had to be the only solution wow. that I could come up with. And here was Brian yeah. coming to me saying, would wow. I ever consider this? So, wow. Well, the Lord definitely took you guys off the shelf because <laughs> you ended up adopting seven kids, really. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd also mentioned you had this quote that you guys had in your house, never surrender your dreams. Yeah. And that kind of shifted to say yes to Jesus. And you had these dreams for your family and they were beautiful dreams and they were God honoring dreams, mm -hmm. yet they were just different. So tell us how you process that and how you, the Lord carried you through your grief to trust him with this new space of adoption for your family. Yeah. I think I'm a big picture person and I really needed a big, I needed to see what he was doing. Um, and so after Brian explained about how he called me from work and we, we started that process, we actually brought our son home very quickly in the terms of international adoption, especially our first time. We ended up bringing home our son Zareb from Uganda in the year 2011 and the the process was unimaginably smooth in a in a adoption world that was not smooth and there were difficulties that others were facing even while we were there and for whatever reason we came home with him in 3 weeks our our initial adoption incentive was to bring home a healthy child we were we were looking for a healthy child because it was still in our hearts to go to india we we're still hanging on yes. to that life yeah. dream of serving God overseas. Like and Amy's, I was looking for twins. <laughs> and like mm -hmm. Amy said, the, the process was extremely smooth. We should not have uh, gotten the judge that we got because there was only one or two that were open to the idea of adoption. We, we got him as the judge and we went through the process so smoothly. In fact, there were other parents who were going through the adoption process that ended up having stay 11 months, 11 months, as opposed to we, I was there from start to finish three weeks. Mm -hmm. and it was so it wasn't, um, so God just opened the door for this adoption process for us. Now, at what point did you feel like, cause at this point you said you're still hanging on to the idea of going to India. And so you still had this dream out there. God had other plans. How did that shift for you of like, Oh, like, how do I let go of this dream and be open to this new vision that God has for your family? So there was a very specific moment because I felt because we had been approved to bring two children home and we brought Zeb home alone, that there was more for us. And I remember sending Brian little images of different children waiting. And eventually he was like, you need to stop doing this. <laughs> and I then stumbled onto a blog of someone who was sharing the picture of our son, Toby. And I saw him and my heart melted, but he had this really strange condition that I had never heard of, arthrogryposis, multiplex congenita. And I didn't, I had to Google it. I had no idea what it was, but this little boy had my birthday. And I oh. thought that that was like just a little bit of an indicator. And so when we brought him home, we still had it in our heads that we were going to take our family now of six children and go overseas. Before we brought him home, though, I had begun to advocate for children, for other orphans, because I realized if, if this woman had not posted about Toby, we would never know about him. Mm -hmm. So I started to do that. And one of the several children that I was sharing was our daughter, Esty. And <laughs> it was before we traveled for 
to bring Toby home that I felt the Lord telling me during a quiet time that I could handle her needs. She was a girl. She was an older child. She was in a wheelchair and she had spina bifida. And the Lord told me very clearly, I heard the words in my heart, you can handle her needs. Mm. What? Me? And so it was really at that point that if we said yes to Esty, that we were probably not going to be going overseas mm. because of her. And then as we did bring her home, she she ended up being very, very sick. And she almost died the week that we met her. She had gone septic. And fortunately, we were able to get her to a international clinic where they, they gave her um, what she mm. needed. But in China. Yeah, this was in China. And then mm. um, once we brought her home, we realized just how many other medical needs that she has and that have to be completely monitored every six months, every year ongoing that we, we really came to terms with. We're not going overseas. Mm. And that, that was really heartbreaking. But I had so many people from the outside telling us, Oh, but you brought the, God brought the nations to you. And I still did not embrace that for a long time. I still was very determined to hang on to this. I am going to be a missionary come hell or high water. (laughs) How was it um, for you, Brian? Like, um, once Esty was home, did you feel like there was a shift in, okay, we're, we're, God has other plans. Really? So much time lag between the time that we had come home from China, Mm -hmm. um, the time that I had spent working with cattle and the time that we were starting into and working through the adoption process through, through children that, International missions was not God's heart for us. Now, he used that heart in order to open us to international adoption. Uh, he also used the experience we had in China to help us through the Chinese process, um, mm-hmm. through language and stuff like that. So at, at the point at which we brought Esty home, it was just kind of that submitting our family and our lives to God, saying, this is not what we were thinking when we first got married, but... Our first desire has always been that God be honored and glorified through our lives. Mm-hmm. So we were willing to, and not that we really had to say one way or the other, but we were willing to forego our desire to be overseas as missionaries mm-hmm. and serve God through bringing home children mm-hmm. who were in dire need of having a family. And so I remember saying that... Um, you know, when you're a missionary, you meet with people maybe once or twice a week, maybe more. I mean, for those intimate ones that you really work with. But we now had children who <laughs> knew nothing about the Lord and they were in our beds and mm-hmm. they were with us 24-7. And, you know, we cleaned mm-hmm. up their messes. And so it was like full on mission work that was more intense and perhaps more impactful. One of the things that God showed us while we were in China was the impact that we had on the people that worked with us, that were in our home, mm-hmm. the woman that the woman that, that taught us Chinese. Mm-hmm. These were the people that we really impacted mm-hmm. more than the people that we went to, that on I went- On an assignment for. The, mm-hmm. More than the people that I went into villages to visit with. Um, mm-hmm. you know, going into the village, that was exciting, but it was actually the people that were living with, we were living life with mm-hmm. were the ones that we were having the most impact with. Mm-hmm. So the idea of bringing children into our home mm-hmm. who would have no other way of knowing Christ, it was not only providing them a family, but also providing them the understanding of who Christ was and how he impacts our lives as a family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. I hadn't made that connection. Please. Um, so we continue to bring home kids. Every time we brought mm-hmm. the home, we said, this is it. This is our caboose. And it never was. <laughs> I think we're at a caboose now, but I won't say that because I don't know. <laughs> one, one thing that I'm uncomfortable with is saying that our children were a missionary. Right. They were not. Mm-hmm. A- they were our family. It was more. It was right. deeper than just mm-hmm. ministry to children. Right. It was mm-hmm. bringing children into our home who had no other way of well, mm-hmm. in Essie's case, living um, because she she was in dire straits. Mm-hmm. And you and you brought home ones that were older or harder to place for various reasons. So, like, I feel like that is 
you are really looking for kids who may not otherwise have a family. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Because there were some, I mean, really all of them, I had really strongly advocated for our littlest one, Summerlin, because she did have the same arthrogryposis that Toby did. And I, I wanted somebody else to have that delight and sparkle that we mm. know is Toby. And we were already in the process to bring home Winnie Grace, who has schizencephaly, and that's a pretty frightening brain need. And I remember mm. talking to Brian and saying like, I had four families that were interested in her and now they've all dropped. Like, what do you think if we do it? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> One thing I do want to say about Brian is we brought Esty home and then we went back for Gable who was um, born with cancer. And he was kind of a one of, I call them kind of untouchable files that just kind of took a special person to say, yeah, I want to walk right into cancer. But I felt really burdened for Winnie Grace. And I we had both prayed about her file. And I remember Brian was shaving when he told me, I've been praying for this little girl for a, a week and I don't feel pulled one way or another. And I was kind of sad hearing that. And then he said, but I, I know that you do. And I want to err on the side of giving. So let's bring mm-hmm. her home. Mm. And I just fell in love even deeper with my husband. <laughs> yeah. I I remember waking up and just crying over her in the middle of the night and just listening to that song in my mind about you're a good, good father. You're a good, good father mm. that God was going to take care of her, whether he was going to let me be her mom or not. Mm. And guess what? I did get to become her mom. In fact, Winnie Grace became the twin to Gable, who had already been home for over a year. Mm. It was so cool. They mm. are just seven weeks apart in age, and they even look similar to each mm-hmm. other. <laughs> All my longings were fulfilled when I realized how God had answered the prayer mm. for twins in such a very unconventional way. Mm. But that's kind of the story of our Chinese adoptions. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing, I mean, just to revisit, we mm-hmm. through the whole process, we just had a speedy adoption process or what do you call it? Um, yeah, I mean, just, they were very smooth and mm-hmm. we, you know, each of them costs a lot of money. Yeah. The Lord just, I mean, I put in a ton of, ton, a ton of effort. In fact, I ended up teaching some um, courses or a course on how to raise money for adoptions, but God did it all. And one time I added it up, it was like over $220,000 that we Mm. needed to raise for these children. And we always had all the money before we got on the plane. That was also, you know, if I think about how difficult it was for us to go overseas and become missionaries and do that job that we felt like we were supposed to. And I compare that to the speed and the, the process speed, as well as the finances being there. I mean, it was just like, now you can back up and say, Oh, well, that was, really clear that that's what he was. Mm. Sometimes I think you don't see it when you're in the middle of it. And then we also opened our home to Josh and he was already an adult when we met him and his own mother had already passed from cancer and he needed a family. He didn't have Mm. an address. And so we, we welcomed him into our, our home as well. Mm. And how old was he when he came into your home? He was 20 And so he is not legally adopted, but we are his family. And he moved across the country from um, his life had always been in Colorado and he had gone to school in Wyoming and in Arizona and he moved to Ohio, which is kind of stunning. Yeah. That says a Uh, lot about your family for someone to move from (laughs) the beauty of Colorado to, I mean, just to, he lived with you guys. Yeah. 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 He ended up finding his future wife mm. at our church. Oh, wow. It's really fun. That's an, yeah. I would jump in the story because what led us to him. Mm, yes. Was, oh, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yes. What led us to him, Brian? Brain cancer. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. 
Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. How long had your last child that you brought home been in your family before you received some unexpected news, health news? Yeah, that was, so we brought the the two girls home on the same trip, actually. Okay. Winnie Grace and Sterling came home together in November of 2016, mm-hmm. and then it was March of 2018. Okay that I have, I remember thinking something big happens every single year. And so in five years time, we had brought home six children. Mm. So each year, something amazing, something amazing. And I remember thinking when we brought the girls home in 2016, I wonder what 2017 will bring. And it brought us a move to a bigger house and, and two acres of land, which we desperately needed. And then 2018, I remember thinking, I wonder what it's going to be this Mm. year. We didn't see this one come Mm. in at all. Mm, So it was, March 8th of 2018 mm-hmm. and Brian had some difficulty speaking and had a severe headache. And when he was getting his words so mixed up, I ended up calling the squad and they came and took him to the hospital where immediately they told us that he had a mass wow. in his brain. It was, mm-hmm. it happened so quickly. I mean, it all probably went down in an hour mm-hmm. of time. Wow. Like, what? Wait, yeah. What? Because Brian was extremely healthy mm-hmm. and always eating well and exercising each day. And he was just never somebody to ever take a sick day. So he came home from work that morning and I was really confused. Um, but mm-hmm. he had been telling me that people had the flu. So I just assumed that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It ended up being this terrible diagnosis mm-hmm. of glioblastoma. And of course, I didn't ever know what that was. And it's funny, once you receive a diagnosis, how you are just all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Like, how did I never see this in the world? So many people have this. And this particular kind of cancer, the prognosis is not good. We were initially told that I had six months mm. to maybe a year mm-hmm. to live. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a shocker. Yeah. It, it really, really knocked us off our feet. Mm-hmm. We just, I remember that surgeon just being very he was just very matter of fact. Like I remember Brian asking over and over, like there's no way that I'm going to go back to normal life. And he said, no, you're not going to go back to normal life. This is going to, this is going to take your life. And you know, it's just, it is what it is. This is a cancer that we don't have any, we don't know how to treat it. I mean, there is a treatment, but they know it is not very effective. And after Brian's like tumor markers came back. They found out that, you know, he had the worst of the worst. He was unmethylated. He had IDH wild type, which are two things that you do not want to have. And it was really hard. But I do want to highlight what you prayed mm. from the moment you heard that you had a mass mm. in your brain. Do you remember what you said? My prayer is that, that God would just be honored and glorified through my life and that my life was his, that he could do with me what he wanted. Mm-hmm. This obviously wasn't my choice, but his choice was my choice. And so I would trust him completely. Now this trust would ebb and flow, honestly. But my heart's desire, as always and through my entire life, was that God would God would use me how he wanted. Mm-hmm. And so as that being my heart's desire, I no longer I did not have the right to say, No, God, this is not it. And it wouldn't have worked anyways. So So my prayer in that hospital bed when I was hit with this was, God, my life is yours. You paid a price for me. My life is not my own. Mm -hmm. So this is your desire for my life. Um, So be it. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to say those those words, but he was on like auto repeat Mm -hmm. for like at least those three days. And then he went into brain surgery. But Mm -hmm. literally everything, he, he was just like, Kind of like Hannah when she was in the mm-hmm. temple, mm-hmm. 
thought she was drunk because she was just praying and praying and praying. That's how Brian was. He was just repeating, my life is yours, Lord. My life is yours, Lord. Please just be glorified, Lord. Just be glorified. On and on for three days worth. Mm -hmm. And it was a powerful testimony to all of us. Now, it wasn't a... It wasn't because I was some spiritual giant. I was a spiritual mess, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but it was so sometimes you just say what you want to believe. And my heart was there. I didn't have, I knew that I didn't have any choices. So that, yeah, in the end, my, that's where my heart was. And still is. And still mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. So. Brian went through the, the standard of care and he had an amazing 16 months, I believe, with no medication, no chemo, no radiation. We just lived life and he uh, had not gone back to work. He was having some, some issues with some processing things and speech on and off, depending on what medication he was on. And then when he was off of that for those months, it was just, it was amazing. And sometimes we had to just like, are we skipping the system somehow because he's home with me every day? And which is an interesting thing because several, one particular child that we had brought home had extreme trauma and it was extremely difficult on me as a parent during the day because Brian would go off early and, you know, be gone before the kids went to school. And I was dealing with him and I was utterly desperate. Mm. Yeah. I, I did not see a light in the darkness. I was very, very, very overcome with how difficult this kid was. And I had three at home at that time. And I just thought I would never make it. I really thought that. And I had um, a friend who had earned a PhD in post-adoptive therapy. And I would call her and she would say to me, there is nothing that I can say to you about this other than it's going to be hard until mm -hmm. the day he goes to kindergarten and just put your head down and push mm. through that. And so if you look back at my journals, all they say is like, Jesus, help, Jesus, help. It's another <laughs> auto repeat, like just prayer. Yeah. of like, yes. We didn't know I was saying, yes, I'm going to help. I'm going to send your own husband home to you. And he, he came home and the difference in that particular child was night and day when he had his daddy there. Wow. And um, he just, like, well, when he throws a fit now, I'm reminded. But other than, I mean, he was fit going all day long. And I was so, so desperate. Um, and I couldn't, there was, you know, I had all this experience in parenting. And I could not fix this mm -hmm. child. It was mm -hmm. beyond what I could do. And mm -hmm. my prayers on repeat were answered by my husband getting cancer and him coming home to me. And actually we have seen so much good come from it. And it's, we cannot deny the, the amazing blessings that have come. And in fact, that is how we met Josh. He was a volunteer. We were a part of an organization, Inheritance of Hope, which is gold. And I don't think there's anyone else out there doing that, but ministering to families in this place of terminal illness mm. and helping the children and the parents learn to live with intention and leave legacy and make memories and say things and deal with hard conversations forthright that has massively helped us and while we were on that trip we did get to do some fun um, parks in Orlando and so we had helpers and Josh was one of our family's helpers that's how oh. we met him and his mother had also died from cancer like we found out all of our volunteers had gone through wow. this and they were doing well and that was really encouraging mm -hmm. But this, the blessing upon blessing upon blessing coming through Brian's diagnosis and our journey with that has been so much. I, I couldn't even try to sum it up. Um, the church, again, has come and surrounded us and flooded us with everything that we need and more. It's just been amazing. That consistent story that God has said or has told us back in Arch, New Mexico, mm. it's Again, he just showered us mm -hmm. with everything that we needed through his church. One of my mm -hmm. biggest concerns, laying in the hospital bed, finding out that I had a terminal illness, was how who was going to provide for my family? Mm -hmm. Where was money going to come from? How were they going to eat? And how are they going to pay for the house? And mm -hmm. and over a period of how many months? 
Well, the, like the the money just mm. flooded in every time we went to the post or to the mailbox. Yep. There was more checks in there, and yeah. different uh, groups of people in our community were raising money for us. Yeah. And so, within a period of, I would say, six months, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it just—I mean, it really hasn't stopped. Crazy. I mean, people have random people have come by our house and just felt like they needed to give us money, or they heard about our story and they would stop in and give us cash. For about a year and a half, somebody paid our mortgage for yeah. us. One thing that's so amazing about you all and your your family, in the midst of your suffering, you have chosen to not go inward, but to go outward. And Mm -hmm. I just remember seeing on Facebook that um, you told a story about how this random guy drove by your house and felt like he was supposed to give money to your family for each one of your kids to do something with or whatever. But instead of um, your kids going to buy the coolest new toy at the store or whatever, you guys chose to use that money to raise um, funds for immigrant families, refugee families in your community and that were in total need. They had, One of the families had a child with special needs and you guys raised, it wasn't, it didn't it start at like $200 and you ended up raising how much? Yes, we actually were able to raise a total of $22,500 for these two families who needed so very much. So many people joined us in this. It was just so, so mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our oldest daughter, Jensi, really spearheaded that. Yeah. And she made a fantastic video that um, really highlights mm. all the kids in our family mm-hmm. wanting to do this. Yeah, that, that was such a gift to mm-hmm. us to be because I feel like we're so continually on the receiving end mm-hmm. that it's so fun to bless others. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. are on the giving end as well as we watch your family and we see you giving to each one of your children in beautiful ways every day. It's not an easy job. The job that you have before you, it requires a lot of work, a lot of patience and a lot of food. And food. Yeah, a lot of food. Food. But I'm just also thinking of the way that you're giving them a legacy of faith and just how Brian received the news of the terminal cancer and his response. Um, yeah. You know, how what that models to your children for how they face difficulties in life. Like, you know, so much of what children learn is just through what's caught around them. And I just think, you know, what a gift of faith. It's been an amazing journey. And then we did not expect to have this long with Brian. And I think those initial shocking moments in 2018 um, were, were really slaps in the face. And it was really hard to, to wrap our mind around the fact that I was going to lose my husband. And then the Lord blessing And I believe saying yes to people who prayed for healing, that Brian had a very, very unexpected healing period when he had no no treatment whatsoever. And we were living life and we were doing things and he had full capacities like where he had struggled with some short-term memory loss and, and processing and and some word finding issues. It was all, it all vanished and it was it was really amazing. And in the same way that, you know, Jesus healed people and then they finally did die, their earthly bodies died, you know, that was still called healing. And so that's why I really believe that he was healed. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, it did come back and he went on a clinical trial and that kind of just exploded the tumor. And so we had, he had another craniotomy where he had to be awake and he had to talk through that so that they would not permanently damage his speech when they were there and tell them what you did. Yeah. So so I was, I had to talk to this uh, person who I was looking at while they were working on my head. Mm. So um, I was telling him about Jesus. (laughs) What else are you going to talk about? Yeah. You're like, this is all that matters in life. So this is like, <laughs> while you're opening my brain. Well, you were so, literally like under a tent, weren't you, with this other yeah. person and just... Screwed into a halo. So yeah. there was no 
going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, after that, you know, his diagnosis kind of, they, they took a good month to try and determine what else they found when mm. they did that last brain surgery and found out it was a different, more intense, awful kind of glioblastoma. And I remember asking the oncologist, like, so do you treat this differently? And he said, we don't know how to treat glioblastoma. You know, mm -hmm. there's still no answers. There's still nothing that, that cures it. Um, so we do the best we can. And because, you know, they, they can't figure that one out. They certainly can't figure out the epithelioid glioblastoma that they diagnosed him with. So that has begun to grow very, very quickly. And Brian had a grand mal seizure. Mm. Interestingly, the very same night that our son Oscar mm. went still mm. and we went into the hospital and I took from that great encouragement that God could have chosen any night of the year. Mm -hmm. And he chose December 29th because he loves me mm -hmm. and he sees me and he's got me. And so we went through that hospital stay and they did another MRI and they said, this is, is really bad now. And you have about four months to live mm -hmm. and, you know, just trying to wrap our minds around it again. And that was, that news came December 31st of 2020, the year everybody wanted to get rid of. And so we were here, mm. we were back home and we were celebrating the new year. And it was so different than what I expected. Everybody, you know, like, let's get rid of 2020. And all of a sudden I felt like wanting to put on the, the brakes and say, no, 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 I don't want to lose 2020 because mm -hmm. 2021 looks like it's going to be really bleak. Mm. Yeah. So I remember, you know, it's 2021 now and we tried to celebrate and we just fell in each other's arms in yeah. tears um, for what it means. But um, I think with the help of time and in, um, inheritance of hope, we have been able to have just amazing conversations and just being so full of our eternal hope mm -hmm. and so many people don't get this kind of a warning when death is, is on its way, you know, it just happens. And we are so blessed to have done all the preparations that we can legally and, you know, just those kind of things. But we have had such great conversation about end of life things and how does he want his celebration of life to mm -hmm. look. He has been very clear that he doesn't want it about himself he wants it to be glorifying to God. Mm -hmm. And so I suggested, what if we open up the floor for people who's have, who have had their lives impacted by him to um, get up and speak? And that that really felt right to him. Yeah. So, you know, we've just had really hard conversations, but really full of hope and mm -hmm. knowing and from the very beginning, I've told my my children that, we have a holy privilege that we get to walk daddy to the door mm. and we, the Lord is rolling out the red carpet for daddy to walk to heaven and we can help daddy the most by showing him that we're going to be okay and not begging and hanging on him and say, please don't leave us. You know, if we do that, that makes his ability to anticipate what's coming for him very different. So let's, mm work to really honor what God is doing in his life and cheer him on. Mm -hmm. And so we have had that perspective that Francis Chan has always, done, well, I don't know if he's always done it, but he did it once where he took a really long, 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 long rope and mm -hmm. he marked the front end of it with a red Sharpie. And he said, this red part is your life on earth and the rest is all of eternity. Mm -hmm. And that so helped me. And you know, we've used it with our kids to say this, this is the scriptures that say your your light and momentary troubles are just for a short while and they are going to I'm quoting this very poorly but um you know that our our eternal inheritance is sure and there's no comparison between mm -hmm. how hard things feel now and the greatness of what is coming mm -hmm. and so I think it's that it's that push pull constantly of what am I going to do without him? Mm -hmm. How am I going to fix the things around the house? How am I going to X, Y, Z, but also realizing these are the short and momentary troubles mm -hmm. that are going to get swallowed up in victory. Yeah. And daddy's going to go on to heaven. My husband's going to go on to heaven. And 
very, very, very soon, we're all going to be there with him. Mm-hmm. And that has also encouraged me with Oscar and my other two babies, Timothy and Hope, that have gone before us, mm-hmm. is that I get eternity with them. Mm-hmm. And Oscar's dad in particular had opened our family up to adopting. And there are seven more lives in our family now that wouldn't have been here. And and in God's economy, that's okay. And I'm kind of glad he didn't ask me because mm-hmm. I probably would have said, no, I don't think so. But that's, that's okay for God. He knows and he's got it all planned and he understands far more than I do. And he understands what is waiting. Mm-hmm. And that must be so grand and so mm-hmm. fantastic that it's worth allowing us the suffering that we're mm-hmm. enduring now. Yeah. And as a father, there's that innate sense of needing to provide. And mm-hmm. um, one of the blessings that God has given to me is to see how he will consistently provide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like that's been a theme in your life in a very a lot of different moments. Just seeing God is like, look, I'm taking care of your family. And now, you know, that's an assurance to you at this point in time, Brian, as you look at walking down the red carpet, as you say, Amy. And how for you, Brian, as you are taking each day at a time, but I feel like the the hope of eternity is just so much stronger, you know, than probably it's ever been. Like the perspective that you just so clearly crystallized, Amy, of our hope for eternity, like that mm-hmm. um, is so, so strong. What is your perspective about the hope that you have? So the aspect of, of entering heaven almost makes me embarrassed because I get the blessing of stepping into eternity. I leave this earth and in the broken brokenness, and I have to leave Amy with mm. a huge chore mm. that I trust that God's going to provide, but I have no idea how He's going to provide. Mm. You know, the material things are taken care of, but emotionally, how is she going to handle mm. these children that have various needs? You know, as a as an individual, the idea of stepping into heaven almost feels like I'm cheating. <laughs> 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 I, I get such a huge blessing, um, and I can I can trust that that God will be right alongside yeah. Amy to do what would almost appear to be impossible. He but, will not fail me. No, I know that. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a from completely human perspective, mm-hmm. like woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I get to step into eternity. And I love the idea that He's going to be there, focused on the Lord, and just delighting mm-hmm. in. And our other children that will be waiting for mm-hmm. him, as well as his dad and his grandparents and, you know, all of these people. Um, and then to realize that he doesn't, he's not stuck in time anymore. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I will come up behind him and put my hand on his yeah. shoulder. It's you. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll have that, you know. So I think continually focusing our hearts toward what is real. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the scripture says to encourage mm-hmm. each other with this and, you know, to keep your, keep your focus on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Um, it's really true. When you mm-hmm. live like that, you see things differently. I think you're more free to give yeah. when you have that focus, you already know all of your needs are going to be met like so, so, so well. And even on this earth, God takes care of us mm-hmm. as we have seen over and over again. And I was going to say that Brian made sure that he brought in a big old rock into our Mm. house, had me write Ebenezer on it in a Sharpie. Mm -hmm. And we just started brainstorming all the times throughout our whole marriage, how the Lord has taken care of us. And so we've just written all over this rock, all these things that, that that he has done. And it's a tangible, like we can see the rock. It's not Mm -hmm. just something we we wanted something so that our kids could see it so that we could talk about it and we could say hey remember the rock or mm-hmm. even remember this story on the rock and then to have them be a part of something like we just got off of this amazing mm-hmm. vacation in the last month that god totally provided for mm-hmm. we didn't spend any money and the 14 of us cuz we brought mm-hmm. down Josh and his fiance enjoyed for days and days and days and you know, so to write those things and to be able to tell our kids, guys, this is something for the rock. Yes. And, you know, they're looking forward to mm-hmm. how did how is God taking care of us? And mm-hmm. oh, is that something we can add to the rock? Oh, that's really yeah. sweet. I love that. I love that. 
Just recently, we did something really unconventional. One of my older daughters had admitted to me that she was really sad that she was not going to have her dad walk her down the aisle on her wedding day. She had this idea, and so I made some contacts, and we were actually able to do that. Mm -hmm. We called it a wedding walk, Mm -hmm. and we were able to get all of our daughters, all six daughters, dressed in white wedding gowns and have veils. So Jensi actually wore my wedding gown, and Annalie wore my mom's wedding gown from 53 years ago. Yeah, it was so precious. Um, And then Brian was there with a tuxedo Mm -hmm. and we had members of our church decorate and they filmed and they took pictures and he walked each daughter down the aisle. Mm. And at the end, he lifted their veils and he whispered love in Mm. their ears. And then I joined them at the bottom of the aisle and he prayed just lovingly, just poured out prayer for each daughter, for her future, for her future spouse and um, their ministry in life. And Mm. it was, it was difficult, but really Mm -hmm. joyful. It was truly, it was truly more joy than difficult. And I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. That is so beautiful and will be such a gift to give to your your daughters someday. Yeah, that they'll remember, yeah. you know, on their actual yeah. day when that happens, they have this. And you're so brave to just step into those spaces that are, it, it is uncomfortable and it's, but you're dealing with the pain in advance and, and in the present and you're leaving a beautiful legacy for your children and what a it's just such a beautiful picture i think we've really learned the value of looking at this thing squarely in the face and not being afraid of Mm -hmm. death i mean death is just a doorway from this life to the next Mm -hmm. and we had made a, a we had a devotional time with our kids this past summer and we were talking about how when someone comes to the house you don't fear walking through the door you go out there and you see who it is and you're so excited and death is just that doorway and of course the evil Mm -hmm. one wants to make us so afraid Mm -hmm. of the doorway but it's really nothing we're just gonna pass through and and he's gonna be there and you know i i think that having that understanding that death is not Mm -hmm. something to fear and i know that we will be thankful on the other side Mm -hmm. when we took the time to do these things so yeah yeah, it's it's been a a real mm-hmm. shift in thinking, but mm-hmm. a really positive one. Mm-hmm. As a father, as mm-hmm. I've been kind of thinking, I, I, it's hard because I feel like I'm leaving the job early, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a hard part. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know, like the game's still on, and I'm mm-hmm. stepping off the field. That's hard. Yeah, but yeah. as a father, as yeah. as yeah. someone. It wants to put into their children, you know, that wants to yeah. build into them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those things that I consider extremely important for life. Mm-hmm. I'm left of writing notes to my kids, as many notes as I can. Yeah. Because that's what I got. Yeah. Well, one thing that has really stood out, just kind of watching you guys over the past few years, and our family had the privilege of having a big family sleepover with your family. So we had like 20 people in our house. Um, (laughs) But you guys are a man and a woman of God's word. And the way that you're walking through this, the way that you're facing just loss and facing it with hope is because you are anchored in God's word. And it, you have put in the time to know the father and you have, um, I know, Brian, you have led your kids in Bible study almost every day. And just that gift that you have given to your kids and not wasting time and living life to the fullest has been such a beautiful thing for us to watch. And I don't think you realize the testimony and the legacy that you're you're leaving is just, I mean, it's almost untouchable. Um, and we are just so grateful and honored to know you and to know your family and your beautiful wife, your beautiful kids. And just you have touched us in ways that um, we're just so grateful for. Um, and we're honored to know you. One of the uh, um, sense of encouragement, one of the attributes of encouragement that I have is knowing that God has everything mm-hmm. aligned up yeah. and that what 
they, my kids are going to go through are going to be extremely hard. And I can trust God and his development of my children and that the impact that this whole experience will have will be somehow positive mm-hmm. and will steer them in a direction that would otherwise be impossible for them to know. You know, I want to give you the chance, Brian, to just share anything that you feel like you want to just share with your kids, like to tell them what is on your heart for them. I mean, I know that I know that at some point we will see that this was a blessing mm-hmm. and emotionally it's hard. You can't deny the, um, the pain that my family is going to go through, but we know that God's plan is way beyond our own. And not only is it just beyond our own, but his ability to show his love through the experiences that he asks us to go through. There will be a point at which we will say, God, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's that element of trusting God and his love and his heart, mm-hmm. knowing who he is because of a life of walking with him and following him and trusting in him. Fortunately, I have, an ent- I have had an entire life of listening and following him and learning from him and hearing from him. And that background and experience has enabled me to look forward and trusting through what he is doing that it will be good and it will be loving Mm-hmm. Um, I actually on on December 29th I thought Brian had died in my arms because he went this eight minute grandma seizure and then went unconscious in my arms mm-hmm. and I thought I thought he was gone I mean he was starting to gray and um, heard on the 911 call to start heart chest compressions and I remember in that split moment thinking this is okay this is going to be okay. Mm. We had um, three almost. So next month, it'll be three years. We'll, we have this amazing, amazing time that we have become laser focused on what really matters and what we, we've just made great conversations and we've just come so leaps and bounds in our own faith and in our faith together collectively, as well as each child has made such headway that I already would not wish this away. This is an incredibly important time in our family and it's a treasure. Mm -hmm. And I know that has to sound so totally bizarre to be in this and be months away from what they say is the end of Brian's life, earthly life. Um, But it's really, really true. I truly I'm so thankful because we have lived intentionally and we've, it just, it, I think when you're young and you're married and you're just, oh, we'll make these plans and let's do our house and you can get excited about those kind of things. But when, when things get down and dirty and serious like this, you just become laser focused that you don't have when you're just going through life. And I have said that in other, other places that I've been able to speak that suffering causes you to see clearly and you wake up and there's a verse in Psalm 119 um, verse 71 that says my suffering was good for me it taught me to pay attention and that's really what this has has done um, just helped us to wake up to what is really real and what is really real is everything that we've been teaching our children that Jesus has paid for sin and we can be with God forever and this is happening right here to your own God. He is going to get to do this in, in the flesh. And we don't need to be um, frightened. We can we can um, cry as much as we can. And I always encourage my kids, if you feel tears coming, please welcome them. Because the tears are a gift from the Lord to wash your soul. And, you know, we need to process that. But it's just... Christians need to be able to say, I believe this, and I believe this in a pinch, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we usually end our show with um, talking about what message of hope we want to share with others. I feel like you've already done that. (laughs) You know, there's a scripture about, like, God bringing riches, uh, treasures, and darkness from Isaiah. And I know that's that's one of the verses that you'd like, but would you like to share that verse to 
to kind of close us out. This is Isaiah 45, verse 3, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. I love you guys so much, and we're just so grateful for each one of you. And just, I just feel like I just want to say, well done, my good yes. and faithful servant. All right. Bless you. Bless you. We're so thankful for you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> if you'd like to know how you can support and pray for the Shaw family, please go to our show notes. If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment and help us spread the word. Share about it on social media or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps people find the show. Adopting Hope is a production of Christianity Today. It was produced by Mike Cosper, Joyce Dalrymple, and Sasha Parker. It was edited and mixed by Alex Carter. Our theme song, We've Got This Hope, was by Ellie Holcomb. We'll be back next week with another story. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.